Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. Hey everyone, we're going to get to the game-by-game breakdown here in a second. Just to let you know, uh, recording here on the road outside of the normal recording environment. So if you hear some sounds of the city behind you, um, really had a trouble isolating that stuff out. So I hope you can bear with us with some of the sound issues we had during the game-by-game breakdown podcast this week. We'll be back to normal a little bit next week. All right, let's do it. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast, Friday, October 12th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. We're from dailyfantasysportsrankings.com, dfsr.com. If you like typing in less keystrokes on the old keypad there, uh, dfsr.com slash deals gets you a free three-day trial. But for podcast listeners, it also gives you $5 off our premium subscription, typically $29.95 down to $24.95 if you listen to this podcast. So just go to dfsr.com slash deals. That's going to give you uh, NFL optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. NBA right around the corner uh, starts Tuesday with that little primetime slate and then in earnest on Wednesday when we really get everyone going. So uh, NBA coming there. It's all covered under one subscription package. Hockey, premium articles, premium chat, all there. It's about the best deal I think you'll find in the business for the price. So dfsr.com slash deals. Gets you that, and you should get started today. Then the free and free three day trial you set up today, I think that takes you through back through the first day of basketball too. So if I'm doing my math correctly, I'm. Yep, I just typed it into my uh, spreadsheet that takes you through. Basketball. Incredible, so dude. Uh, yep, I just got, got, I actually know it doesn't because it's Tuesday. Whatever, sign up tomorrow. All right, here we go. Um, uh, week six in the NFL, we're coming off a Giants Eagles game where if, if Eli Manning isn't just compl- I, I just got to get the bench the guy. He threw. The air yards were already completely garbage. I can't – they could not have increased last night because I don't think he threw a pass over 10 yards in the fir- whole entire first half. Um, but I guess we can just focus on the main slate. We are going to go <laughs> game by game. I'm, just, I'm so tilted because I kind of like the Giants last night um, going into the game, and uh, it just didn't work out. But um, we are going to go game through game. We are going to break down some of the injury information. There is some. Uh, some games don't have much, but there's some games that have some pretty significant stuff that we're going to find out today uh, that will probably affect lineups one way or the other. Uh, and then we'll go through some of the GPP plays. We did do a cash game article, excuse me, and podcast uh, uh, yesterday where we talked about Matt Ryan. Who else did we talk about? Deshaun Watson. Who are the running backs? I forget. Um, Tons of guys. Been, why, why are we yeah. listing all these guys right now? Well, because we skip over them today. Um, oh, well, we're, we're not going to skip them completely. We'll, we'll mention them when we get to the games. I don't think we need to rehash the whole cash game article now. All right, buddy. I'm just screaming at me about it. I'm just trying to do my best. Um, <laughs> just saying. We just did a podcast. <laughs> just, trying, just trying to do my best. Uh, you don't have to yell me about it. All right. Let's get into uh, let's get into the Sunday games that we have. We have a 1 o'clock game that's the Seahawks and Raiders, and if it throws you off, it's because it's the London game this week. Um, they are headed across yeah. the pond. with Because I was actually a little confused by this line. Why... Like, why the Raiders at home... It wasn't registered with me right away. Why the Raiders at home would be just, I don't know, home underdogs to the Seahawks until I realized it was just a neutral site. Seahawks are minus two and a half. You know, technically they're considered the road team, but that's really neither here nor there. Um, Anything you like about this game? Not a whole lot of injury news. Neither of these teams... Raiders are pretty bad on defense. 
they have had some guys that put, have put up big games. Seahawks defense clearly isn't the defense of old, and now without Earl Thomas. Is there anything to like about this game, or does like maybe even flying over to London kind of not have you on it just because of some of the travel stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think the Seahawks, the passing game is completely unplayable, so I don't think you're going to touch that. Um, I think if you want to forecast one of these running backs to get some additional action, like maybe you just think they go back to Chris Carson touching the ball 30 times a game or whatever, uh, then you can go in that direction. But last week, he basically didn't quite split carries with Mike Davis, but it was like uh, two-thirds, one-third sort of situation. And that's going to mean neither of those guys is probably cash game viable. I guess you could pick one for a big tournament if you really, really wanted to. I don't really want to, so I probably won't be touching it. Uh, on the Raiders side, you know, Marshawn Lynch has like been one of the more consistent carry backs, but then against the Chargers last week, he only touched the ball 11 times, dealing with something of a hip injury right now as well. So I don't think you want to touch him. Um, I don't, is there anything you like in the Raiders receiving game? Because, I mean, Jared Cook's been a guy we've been looking at from time to time this season. The, we haven't really touched the wide receivers. Is there anything you like here? Uh, I mean, yeah, Cook, only because the tight end situation is such a terrible one in the NFL at this point, that yeah. if you can get a guy like Cook, um, who is, I don't know, he's fourth in targets right now. Uh, I mean, Ertz has a game above everybody, so it's kind of hard to judge him. I mean, even though he's, he's pretty... Well, Ertz isn't playing everybody. anymore, right, because he played last uh, night. I'm just so I'm, I'm saying, to... I, agreed, right. I'm just saying that about where he lands on the list, because I was going to say he's so far above the first, but I realized that Cook, had a, or, uh, Cook has one last game. But he's right up there with Kelsey and Ebron in terms of overall targets, and for a tight end position that just couldn't be worse um he's interesting i mean people can always find reasons to talk themselves into like amari cooper on uh, as a one-off i'm not personally interested in it um i don't know so no i don't think overall i'm really that interested and the running back situation for the seahawks is a mess i mean they they ran the ball a ton last week um 19 rushes for carson 12 for davis uh, they're splitting carries there's nothing you can really get too excited about here. All right, let's move on, because I don't think this game... These London games, yeah, too, they, get, they, they, they seem like they just get a little wacky. I don't know. It's time not to go my talking head route with not backing it up with any data, but I don't know. My, my memory of these games sometimes feels like things just get weird. All right, Chicago goes in and plays the Dolphins. Chicago is a three-and-a-half-point uh, road favorite. That went from two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half for uh, Chicago, but the over-under actually came down from 44 to 42, most of it coming off of the Dolphins' implied total. Dolphins, you know, started the season looking okay. Maybe the schedule was a little weak uh, and then have looked real bad the last couple weeks. They don't seem to know what they want to do with their running back situation. Uh, Drake and Gore continue to split carries, although Drake did get a bunch of receptions. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what we do with them. Chicago's coming off a bye week. That seems like it could probably help them here. You know, a bye week following their dismantling of the Cardinals in week four. Is there anything to like here? Trubisky was a guy we liked going into week four getting in that matchup. Um, him, Allen Robinson, uh, is there, or Taylor Gabriel has gotten some receptions. There's just stuff to like here on Chicago because we did like them two weeks ago. Yeah, so just not to Miami super quick. They're just a full skip for me, so I'm not going to spend uh, any more time on them. As far as Chicago goes, I don't know. Like We like Trubisky. It was an ideal matchup. I mean, we talked about already on the Cash Game podcast how Tampa Bay has been just otherworldly bad against the past season. You know, 14.6 yards per attempt allowed through the air. Trubisky obviously contributed heavily to that with 354 passing yards on just 26 attempts. Uh, I think they're like fine. I don't know. I'm not over the moon about this team. I think, you know, Jordan Howard and the running game wind up becoming a little bit uninspiring with Tarek Cohen kind of splitting touches with him last week. I think some people are going to touch or talk themselves into Tarek Cohen. He is a guy that's shown big time upside in the past, touched the ball 20 times last week, uh, notably most of that through the air. So 
I don't know. I'm not going to bother speculating on that. I think he's kind of expensive. And then in the passing game, I think you will see some ownership on Gabriel. I mean, he's coming off seven targets, ten targets, seven targets against Tampa Bay. He was obviously incredible. Turned all those targets into 104 yards and two touchdowns. It's. I guess the question I have for you is, prior to that, so in two weeks prior to last, or his last game, he had 17 targets, 10 catches for 64 yards. So it's nothing to write home about whatsoever. Then he turns seven targets into 104 yards and two touchdowns. He's very, very cheap. People are going to want to look at that because it's going to be a big enabler for other things you want to do. But are we just kind of like, you know, uh, what do we trust, I guess, is my big question. I mean, like if we give him seven, we have him 7.25 targets right now, and that's not putting him in any FanDuel lineups or anything. But he is really cheap. Are you worried about a Gabriel fade? Are you willing to live with it? Or you just think he's a flash in the pan? Like, what's your Gabriel take right now? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know. Like, he's not going to run routes. He's not typically running routes that are that are you know big downfield routes. He doesn't get a lot of yards per. <laughs> doesn't. It's not a lot of yards per. Uh, he did last catch. week or last game. Yeah, that's a lot of that. I think. I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but my guess is a lot of that is after the catch. I, like he, it's just not. They're just not going to be big downfield threats, especially with Trubisky. I, I do think our projection on him is probably a little low. Yeah, I think so too. I was wondering if we needed to look at like his touchdown share or something like that. But. Yeah, because I, I, that was the first thing that struck me is that at seven and a half targets at only ten point three DraftKings points, yeah. that doesn't that strikes me as I'd already made a note of it saying me too. <laughs> yeah. Meaning, meaning where like where. Yeah. Why is this so low? So that's something I'll take a look at as we go. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and I apologize. I did say they played the Cardinals, and you were right. They played the Buccaneers. Um, they, uh, yeah, I think that there's there's reason to get into this. I, I think one thing that really holds them back in this matchup, as opposed to like say that Bucks matchup, is the Dolphins just play so damn slow um, that they, you know, they they run the ball, they do these short passes. And Tannehill barely throws during the game. I, they they had said they wanted to play a faster pace uh, kind of offense this season. They haven't done one thing to show that that's anything they're interested in. So I think the pace does slow them down. Their implied total is a lot less than that game. 22, yeah, it's right around 23 implied points. They were up like 24, 25 and a half, I think, against Tampa Bay. Yeah, they have definitely some interesting stuff. I'm going to go back and double check some of the projections on these guys. And I'm with you. Dolphins are just a full skip. The Dolphins defense, I will say, has not been terrible this year. It's just our offense can't do anything. And by the way, on the Bear, a quick note on the Bears, I think this is like one of those times where casual players will be very likely to try to roll it back with the Bears for big tournaments here. And the matchups really just couldn't be more different, like going up against Tampa Bay. Also, the price points were all lower since it was before this big game. Like There were a lot of reasons why it was a very, very good big tournament play and why you know Trubisky himself was even showing up in some cash game lineups for us. Like he was in one of our top 10 lineups. And transitioning into this Miami game with a much, much lower total and increased prices on everyone, I just don't think this is where you need to land almost in any format. Um, I was wrong. Miami is actually not allowing, they're not paying, they are allowing a decent amount of opponent uh, possessions, 25th, so I'm going backwards, 7th most in the league. For some reason I had it in my mind that they were playing at a much lower place. It might just because their offense just sucks so bad. All right, let's move on. Uh, Colts go in and play the Jets. Jets coming off a game where they just ran and ran and ran and ran. I think they ran for over 300 yards last week. Um, I don't. Now, we do have Isaiah Kroll is uh, questionable right now. That would be interesting if he were to miss this week because I think we have see something along the lines of more Bilal Powell. So um, and Kroll coming off a 219-yard rushing week, and Powell had another 99 yards to chip in. So right around 320. Yeah, yeah 320 rushing yards last week. Um, I mean, would you be interested in Powell if Kroll was hurt? I, I mean, it's hard to get it's hard to get too excited about these guys because they definitely are just completely splitting carries at this point. But um, where do you, where would we where would we you know tick Powell up to if Kroll was out? 
Yeah, I mean, you would definitely tick them up. Um, I think the Jets running game is going to be entirely game script dependent. I don't think they would necessarily want to give Darnold the ball, you know, 45 times a game or anything like that. But they're also the type of team that can fall behind pretty easily. Going up against the Colts, this will be one of probably the few times that they're favored going forward. So if you did want to tap into it, I think if you had half of the the two-headed monster they're missing here, uh, and it's not like that too scary of a two-headed monster, it's like, you know, maybe like where the wild things are, like one of those monsters or something like that. I think then you can really start thinking about it. I think they're both still somewhat cheap. I think it would be more interesting if they weren't coming off a big week where both of them put up big numbers because like Kroll in particular... At 6700 you're paying RB1 prices for him. Like RB1 on a medium team, which is exactly what he would be if, if Powell went down. So, yeah, he had the explosive game. He showed he can do a little bit against Denver. But uh, I think Powell, incidentally, would probably be a little bit more interesting to me. He was already getting more carries. He's fine on a yards per carry basis. And he's just 5800 So, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not interested if Kroll, if they're both playing. It's mostly just if one were to sit. It's mostly if yeah. a Kroll were to sit. Yeah, Kroll's the, the only right guy now, there. Sure. Um, we did like, we've liked guys like Anunwa in the past for targets. Now, he did, I mean, to his credit, led the team in targets last week with five. Uh, it was against Denver. They didn't really need to throw the ball at all. They just ran so many times. Uh, Anunwa has seen pretty healthy target share this season. He ran up against his worst matchup last week uh, again uh, with the Broncos. Um against Chris Harris um, in the slot. So that, that that was a matchup that we, you know, he was obviously getting downgraded for. This is a different animal. He's not going to run up into any kind of d- defensive issues here. And he has seen the highest targets. Again, he led the team in targets. It was five. They didn't have to throw the ball. He's still by far the target leader. Is he a guy we could see ourselves getting interested in? The price hasn't moved at all because he has not been good for a couple weeks, even though the looks have been there relative to how many times they've thrown. Yeah, the price has gone down, actually. Uh, he's at sub 6,000 on FanDuel now. I mean... You could play him in tournaments. I think you'd be pretty, you'd be sticking your neck out there. You'd be on really, really low ownership if you played him in cash. And there's enough cheap wide receivers that I just don't know that that's where I would want to land. I mean, the fact, whatever the reasons are, the fact that he has a five target, zero reception game in him is going to mean his floor is necessarily about as low as it gets. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I, I do not want to play this guy in cash this week for sure. He's interesting. He's close to cash for me. I think I this is. I think that he. These are, this is just the kind of situation to bounce back because if you look back, if you look back at his recent game log, I mean, look, I, I hate to be Mister Excuse guy, which I know well, you I are Mister Excuse guy on, on our team. Well, let's hear it. You don't need to apologize. I for sure for am. I for sure am. <laughs> but again, he he just he just went up against the worst the worst matchup you can get as a slot receiver probably in the NFL against Harris, right? So like he's like Harris is one of the few like kind of shutdown sort of corners that plays primarily in the slot. No other team does this. And before this, you know, he had weeks one and two where he had six catches and seven catches. He had four and four for a decent amount of yards with good, again, and one of those was against Jacksonville too. So he has run up against some bad defense. Actually, they've really had, he's had maybe four, three bad matchups in a row because Cleveland's got a good defense as well. I don't know. I could tell, this one's close for me. I think that I don't want to be too, I don't want to react too strongly to the week before because he's still a guy with a median target share right around eight per week and with an average of eight and a half. And that's with the five target week. I think none was close for me. I think that's some, that's a guy we'll end up discussing. He's not a guy I want to overreact to at all going after, uh, after last week. Um, just because, well, which, which is the overreaction though, right? Like he's not someone that necessarily had a huge track record going into this season. It's a relatively small sample of him, by the way, only being okay. I mean, he's getting targets obviously, but he was getting more targets. His targets are on the the downward trend, right? 10 against Detroit, 11 against Miami. I think it's natural over time for young quarterbacks to get comfortable with uh, a wider array of wide receivers. 
I mean, granted, he had a tough matchup with Jacksonville, too, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, we can talk about it off the air. I, I guess you're, you guys are getting a general sense, you listeners out there, that Doug is more into it than I am. Uh, what do you make of Robbie Anderson, though? You know, he's he's the guy. I even I omitted him from my article about the biggest price movers because he had, his price had dropped by, like, 2000 going into last week. And rightfully so. The guy was just catching two balls a game and doing actual nothing with it. Then he winds up atop the Sunday million on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Yep. 123 yards, two touchdowns, unaffectively a minimum price. What do you think of Robbie Anderson? Is he a guy we should look at going forward? Is it a cheap price point, GPP upside? Are you seeing anything there? Uh, yeah, I mean, he did what he, Robbie Anderson has done in the past, which is just catch the deep ball and go for long touchdowns and not really do much else. And if those, if you're going to catch him on the weeks where it goes, then then great. And if you are not going to, then you need to be ready to take zeros. That's basically the definition of a tournament play. You absolutely can't play him in cash. Uh, the three catches for 103, 123 yards and two touchdowns is the absolute max you can get. And on the cold side, um, there's, they have a lot of injuries going on right now that is probably going to affect where we land with some lineups just this week. So right now, guys that are questionable, Hilton is questionable, sat out last week. Uh, Jack Doyle is still questionable. Has, he's doubtful. Excuse me, Hilton is doubtful. Doyle is doubtful. And now we have Ebron questionable because he hasn't played last week. He's just really banged up. Where do we land with guys like Chester Rogers? Um, Naheem Hines has seen a lot of mm-hmm. targets. Like he's you know qualifies as a running back. Did see 15 carries last week as well, um, and saw a ton of targets. How close are these guys? Specifically, Rogers, Ebron if he plays, and then Hines to cash games. Not a great matchup against the Jets. The Jets have, uh, in terms of DVOA, are sixth overall. Now they've played a very poor schedule, so um, their schedule rank is about as easy as it gets so far. Mm-hmm. So you have to take some of their DBO ranks, DVOA ranks, and some of their other stuff with a grain of salt. But these Indiana, these Indianapolis guys are seem like they, you know they, we could be finding some pretty nice bargains considering their injury issues. Well, Chester Rogers is why I don't want to play Quincy and Nunma. I don't think you need to go like cheap across the board at wide receiver, and he is basically. Quincy and Nunwam plus greater opportunity due to injury. Uh, 11 targets in each of the last two weeks. Eight catches in each of the last two weeks. Uh, not scored any touchdowns, so the price has stayed low. Now part of that is going to be also because they've been using Ebron more in the end zone. But with Hilton doubtful right now and Indianapolis passing the ball, I think it's more than any other team in the entire NFL. I messed this up yesterday, too, and never went back and checked. But they're either number one or number two. Uh, they're throwing a lot of short balls. Rodgers just seems like a hugely high floor play to me. It'd be really, really hard for me to imagine him not reaching double-digit targets again and probably right again in that eight-catch range. And heaven forbid he should throw in a touchdown. All of a sudden, you're looking at uh, just one of the premier plays of the week. So, yeah, I think Chester Rodgers. I think Ryan Grant's another one uh, that people will look at potentially more for that upside. The target's aren't quite in line with what Rodgers has seen, but still averaging eight targets a game in each of the last two weeks uh, with T.Y. Hilton being banged up. So, yeah, I think the indie passing game is pretty interesting. Um, I'm actually, like, really curious to see what happens with Ebron. I don't know that I necessarily want to play Ebron himself. I think the price point's pretty high, and, yeah, I just think you're buying high on the guy, even though he's been quite good in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but if he's out, I just wonder, with how pass-heavy that offense is, I wonder if we see Eric Swoop come in. He had three targets last week. He's super. He's the, the actual bare minimum. You know, we played Vance McDonald in a worse situation uh, with a worse potential target share last year or last week. So uh, Swoop's a guy that you could see, like if we get a doubtful tag on Ebron or if he gets ruled out, you could see Swoop swooping in to our cash game lineups. Very nice uh, use of that. And then what about Hines? <laughs> Thank I mean, what, you. What about Hines in the, car- the carries and stuff? I mean, do you, do you trust those carries at all uh, going into this week? Uh, the 15 carries, the game is sort of out of hand. Like, I don't know if that – I can't imagine that's going to be their plan going forward. But 
he catches so many balls. Like, is how close to he is he like on DraftKings? Maybe even in the PPR style of, be, of jumping into cash games, knowing that they, this team is so banged up and really going to be short on pass catchers. Yeah, I mean, our system is definitely flirting with him on DraftKings. Uh, you can't ignore that kind of target share at a $5,100 price tag. I think Chris Durella and I talked about this on the Game Recap podcast last week, but he's now 20 targets in the last two weeks. You know, <laughs> like, Granted, uh, Wilkins getting healthy there. Uh, he still only carried the ball. It was like six times, I think. Yeah, six carries last week. He did see two targets too. But if the Colts are committed to this short passing game, that almost has to involve the running back just to keep defenses honest. So, yeah, I think Hines, very attractive for me on DraftKings for sure. FanDuel gets a little tighter because, you know, that little increase in price puts him more in that mid-range territory. Uh, same territory I criticize Kroll for being in. And, you know, you get less. he gets less of a benefit for being a PPR guy. So, you know, it would take more thought and consideration there. But, yeah, on DraftKings, seems like a great play. All right, let's get into the Bills and Texans. Bills are big underdogs, obviously, going into Houston. Houston is, I think, 10-point favorites mm-hmm. right now. They start at 9.5. It's up to 10 on the Texans side. Uh, decent amount of points here, 25.5 implied points for Houston. We talked about Deshaun Watson at length yesterday in the Cash Game podcast, so I don't think we need to dive too far back in here. Now, they do have a bunch of injury news and notes on their wide receivers, which is to say all their, their whole entire wide receiver core is questionable. <laughs> My guess is they all play. Um, and we talked about Hopkins as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much more time we need to spend on the Texans here. I think we like them kind of across the board for cash games. Uh, Lamar Miller does look like he's going to be back this week after Alfred Blue got uh, all the touches last week. So I'm not sure what you do with their running game. Uh, is there anything more to say in the Texans that we haven't said already? I, I think we can universally agree we at least like their passing attack for cash games. Yeah, I think Watson's going to be probably the highest on quarterback, at least on DraftKings, perhaps on both sites. And... For me, I would say Hopkins on DraftKings, just a refresher for people who, you know, some people really only listen to the Game by Game Breakdown podcast. Hopkins is a DraftKings cash game play to me, not necessarily a a FanDuel one. Um, Any of them have upside for big tournaments, but mostly I'm interested in Hopkins and maybe Kute. I cannot pronounce this guy's name, by the way, so... That's just yeah, becoming a thing with me. Yeah, I, haven't watched, I haven't watched him enough to, to, to game. <laughs> right. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with, um, with names to begin with. So, yeah, so not, Kute never the becomes a play potentially, especially if Fuller happens to miss. You know, I think of all these injuries, um, I'm pretty concerned about Fuller's. He was also just completely absent from last game. Basically, three targets. Kute out targeted him. Uh, he and Fuller both have hamstring things, but. I uh, I trust Kute a little bit more. He's also just cheaper. Fuller at seventy three hundred. That is one guy I'm not very interested in. Texans are the high our highest overall projected defense on the week. Uh, I think that's not going to go sure. be too not crazy. Controversial. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe you just maybe you're trying to decide between the Texans and the Vikings uh, between those two, and those two teams are just so far ahead of everybody mm-hmm. when it comes to overall defense. Buffalo, I think we can just say full skip on them just in terms of. I mean, they have seen guys like Josh Allen have put up big games mostly because he just runs around, scrambles a lot, and tries to just do what he can. Uh, doesn't throw the wide receivers at all. They don't seem like they're going to be able to run that much. I don't know what you really can do with the Bills here. All right, Bucks go in and play the Falcons in a game that probably will have a lot of fantasy just relevance. Yeah, uh, this game has a 57.5 over-under with uh, the Falcons as minus three favorites. And we talked about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan could see very heavy ownership in uh, in cash games. Now, the one interesting news and note here from the Falcon side is Devontae Freeman has been. It was a late add to the injury report this week. Do you think? Do you see him? I mean, if you weren't to, if you were to sit here, did, did not, all of a sudden not practicing on a Thursday is usually a pretty bad sign for a guy. Uh, Would we go yeah. back to the Tevin Coleman well here if Freeman were to sit? You could consider it. I mean, Coleman never really did much when Freeman was out. Uh, I think 
for whatever reason, the Falcons have been leading more heavily on the pass, particularly down in the red zone this season. Uh, Coleman does have two touchdowns. One of those was a receiving touchdown. In a game where they should probably be up, like you'd have to think, you'd like to imagine some opportunity for the running game here. So I don't want to rule it out altogether. Um, but it's worth noting, too, that Ito Smith, while he wasn't quite on the same level as a Freeman share, uh, he did have 10 touches in week one, six in week two, and then 10 again in week three, right? So um, he wasn't completely absent either. I think it just wasn't. The Falcons are, are one of these teams. We've talked about this early in the season. They're just one of these teams that doesn't seem ready to commit to this is our guy in the running game. Yep. And given that Ito Smith has been somewhat efficient, I just don't think you need to bother. Uh, the passing game, though, I think you know, you'll know you see huge ownership on the Atlanta side for big tournaments. You know, I think guys like Julio Jones, you're not going to it won't feel very controversial to plug him in as one of the higher upside guys. Uh, he's been very hit or miss, but he's been kind of hit or miss throughout his career, honestly. <laughs> like He had one very, very consistent season, uh, and then has been hit or miss since. Uh, I don't know that I, again, I'm just off the Calvin Ridley thing. I think enough people are on it, and he does have the tendency to disappear that I just don't need to be beyond that. But yeah, the Falcons, get ready, because you're going to see some really, really big ownership on them in big tournaments. Yeah, the Ridley thing was something we discussed as being this is why we sort of were, you know, questioning whether he was a cash game player or not. He still is outsnapped by Sanu and Jones by a pretty healthy yeah. margin. Uh, we saw Hooper Hooper get the most targets. You know, you said Yeah, what's up with only- Hooper? Because tight end is so bad and Hooper is still pretty cheap. Like what's the right number of targets for Austin Hooper? I, I have him at five and I think that's fine. Um because well one thing, I think, you know, when you said they're not gonna be able to commit to a guy on the in the running game, I think that really almost the same can be said for the passing game. Clearly Julio is gonna be the biggest target guy, but we've seen right. enough weeks where they are just willing to just go to other other players that he just mm. he just doesn't land in that top group anymore of like that you know the Thielen and Brown Hopkins kind of group of guys. You really right. just can't put Jones there. They have too many other weapons, and they just you know they run the ball enough that it just doesn't. This is why you can't. They're willing to play that's matchups. That's the thing for me. Like you know when they see a matchup, like for whatever reason, Cooper all of a sudden becomes the checkdown guy, gets twelve targets. Like when that kind of thing happens. You'd like to think it creates opportunity, but it actually just probably increases variance because <laughs> I don't know right. if you're going to be the guy who gets the 12-target week from Hooper or the two-target week. Because, you know, the interesting thing here is that nothing really fundamentally changed about Atlanta. They just elected to throw to Hooper last week, and that's right. terrifying for me. So Yeah, no, yeah. I think that's I think that speaks to the whole team, why it's just tough on a week-to-week basis to get a handle. Now, if there's going to be a week where your best wide receiver is going to be open the most, this will probably be it. Atlanta, or excuse okay. me, Tampa Bay's secondary is just so bad that – you have to believe on a game-to-game basis Jones is their first look. And you know, and then the second options become Hooper, Sanu, or Ridley on, on a week-to-week mm-hmm. basis. And then this is the week where if Jones is just going to be open, you could see just a monster-monster game out of him because, again, like this, the Tampa Bay secondary is let, has just allowed anybody to pass on them. So uh, I think we could see – if there's going to be a huge week for Jones, this is probably going to be it. What about Tampa Bay? They get Jameis back this week. He's going to start – they, they have a lot of implied points. It looks like they could be playing from behind from a game script kind of standpoint. 27.25 implied points for an underdog. Seems like a place where we want to maybe roster a quarterback here. I have seen people talk about, you know, just kind of randomly throw it out, about Jameis in cash, 5,800 on DraftKings. Whoa. Would that be something you would be interested in all in, a first game back <laughs> after the suspension? I mean, I mean, you know, worth the note here. His absence was not injury related; it was suspension related, and he does have weapons on this team. And a lot of Vegas seems sure, uh, you know, has the idea that they're going to put up a lot of points. Is James a guy that you could talk yourself in the cash? I definitely know some people are doing it. Wow, yeah, it's. Uh, I wouldn't be excited about it. I can tell you that much. Um, 
you know, he did complete 16 and 20 passes when he played against Chicago on the 30th, right? So he did look efficient there. Efficiency has not really been his strong suit in the past. So I don't know if I would want to just out and out rely on that, especially given that his biggest receiving targets here are Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, who have efficiency or just don't create for an efficient passing offense generally uh, with the routes that they run. Uh, Cameron Brait, you know, I think we talked about him on the cash game podcast. If we didn't, uh, he's potentially an omission there. Uh, if OJ Howard winds up missing, I think Brait becomes extremely interesting. Um, as far as like the Tampa Bay passing attack, I think you can probably, you can definitely do it for big tournaments because why not? You know, if Atlanta goes off, they're going to be higher owned and more expensive. And if you can get similar production out of, or the potential for similar production out of Jameis Jackson and Evans, then you're kind of doing it. Evans has gone off against Atlanta in this exact kind of matchup in the past. And, man, Jameis Winston in your cash game lineup, like, that just feels so bad. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, are, do you, do you, or am I going to be having to talk to you about this Sunday morning, or is this kind of something you're floating because it's just you've seen it out there? I don't want to, I've seen it out there, and it doesn't strike me as crazy. Um, again, they probably are going to be, okay. Atlanta's defense has been, Atlanta's defense has been really bad this year. Like, they are sure. 31st in DVOA, uh, 28th against the pass. They have a lot of ton of points. They've played not the easiest schedule as well. So they've had they've faced some pretty good offenses right now. Um, they face, actually, according to DVOA, according to the Football Outsiders, have faced, actually, the second hardest schedule when it comes to opposing offenses. And they still just let up. You know, other teams play good teams, too, and just don't let up as many points. So I, I don't know. I, this yeah. is going to be a close one. How about if you, 600, 600 more for Deshaun Watson? I guess is like the thing that I keep coming back to. 300 more where, for Cam Newton. Like, you can't – Cam Newton isn't just a better version of James Winston. Granted, it's a much worse uh, matchup, of course, but I don't know. Like, I, I if I could just pay 600 more for Deshaun Watson for my sanity, I think I probably would. But, yeah, I, I mean, I can see it. I, you've, you've talked me out of it feeling crazy, which is what my first instinct was when you – threw it out there but it's still not something i would want to bend over backwards to do either another game that's going to have pretty uh significant fantasy relevance is uh, pittsburgh goes in and plays cincinnati cincinnati is minus one home favorites which means you know vegas is generally Mm -hmm. considering pittsburgh to be the slightly better team here 52 and a half over under we finally saw a return game out of james connor last week who um you know, you, you really you could you could have kind of looked at the games before this and said, well, he kind of did get game scripted out of those ones. Maybe the plan has been to just keep giving him the ball when they were up and they just couldn't seem to get up early. Last week they finally did, and he had a huge game. Um, you know, going back to him in cash, he was kind of higher owned than I thought he'd be in cash, at least on Fanduel, something like 30, yeah, top thirty five percent. Yeah, over in ownership, he was one of those guys that people just sort of swapped around in that spot, which is like the McCaffrey Yeldon. Um, McCaffrey, Yeldon, and James Conner were seems like the guys that people were kind of choosing between uh, in their flex position or second running back. But uh, is he a guy you can go back to? We talked about Antonio Brown, a Juju. These guys have had huge target share. And then uh, we'll start with the Pittsburgh side. How much, you know, how much do you want to maybe trust a guy like Conner with his overall touches? It does seem like the plan in games where they're up is to give him the ball a lot. Yeah, so I think Conner falls into like that second tier of running back right now, which is that big upside. The team plans to use him. But there are game scripts that could hurt his opportunity. And, you know, that's going to necessarily put him below guys like Gurley, Gordon, and Zeke, who the plan is to get them the ball just no matter what, right? So uh, you can argue that the situation is better for Connor than it is for Zeke because the Dallas offense and, of course, the Dallas passing attack means you can basically sit on the run there. But nonetheless, I think Connor, more of a niche pick for me rather than, you know, just a cash game staple or something like that. 
the upside now undeniable. I mean, he's got two 32-point fantasy point games this season. The Steelers have shown they're happy to give him the ball 25 times a game in the right game script. And with Bell's return kind of looming off in the distance, potentially, the you know, I don't think there's a lot of urgency around like saving Connor for the future or anything. So yeah, I think he's a solid play. Will he be one of the couple running backs I want to play this week? I'm not sure, but I don't think it's crazy for sure. Yeah, the only thing that's giving him a little uh, ding in our system is that they just aren't huge favorites in this game. We do factor that in in terms of like going into a game about how the likelihood of a of a guy of a running back seeing a decent amount of carries. He is up to 8,200, so it's not like he's cheap on Fanduel at all. He was like more in that mid 7,000s range, I think, last week, uh, which made mm-hmm. him a little bit more attractive. We do have him as the fourth overall projected running back. Oh, excuse me. No, no, that's not correct. In the fifth overall projected running back, I was sorting by price. Um, yeah, so he's he's up there and. Um, I, I, you could, a 20 touch day would not be anywhere out of the realm of crazy for me. And I just, I think I'm with you that I'm having a little hard time. Like, you know, I think I probably, it sounds crazy, might rather play like on DraftKings at least Zeke at 700 less, right? Um, oh, I think he plays they, Zeke. I don't think that sounds crazy at all. I mean, Zeke also just so involved in the passing game right now. And Connor's been there, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like Dallas is either like, we're going to run this guy or we're going to pass to him. Like, he, but he's going to be out there. <laughs> you can count right. on that, you know? And so, I, yeah, okay. So in the passing game, uh, Antonio Brown and Juju, how close to these guys are? Or how close are they to cash games for you? Uh, or are they just kind of strictly at tournament plays? They both seem like they're at the very top of where we can assume their prices are going to go. Mostly because they both just exist in, on, on the same team together. I think like I think that's mostly the problem. Is that it's going to be hard to maintain these kind of salaries knowing that they're both going to line up for almost the same amount of snaps. And Ben has been completely willing to throw to both over the course of the season. Right. So I think they're both good plays. Uh, I don't want to. You know, like if they show up in people's lineups, it won't be like, yeah, this complete idiot played Juju Smith-Schuster this week against Cincinnati. Like, and he got there. Wow, what a donkey. You know, I, I won't be going off on that level. But when you really look at it, I think on FanDuel, it's hard because you probably have to pick an expensive wide receiver if you want to play Gurley. And Gurley is just cheap enough that you probably want to play him. And then at that point, you just can't play multiples. And then you're really in this question. You know, the big question that many, many people are going to ask themselves is... Thielen or Brown going into this week and I think the reliability of Thielen the degree to which he and Cousins are connecting in terms of the conversion percentage you know targets to receptions is just so much higher than Brown right now that I think a lot of people will probably lean on the security of Thielen and with Diggs having a tough matchup this week as well you have to think just all the stars are aligning right with Diggs on Peter with Peterson on Diggs you have to think Thielen's double digit target share is like nearly assured and then as far as Schuster goes I think on. I don't think you're going to play him on FanDuel for similar reasons to Brown. He's kind of just a worse play. On DraftKings, where the price separation is a little bit wider, I think you wind up deciding between him and DeAndre Hopkins because Schuster's just 400 less than Hopkins. But Hopkins, basically being able to get that elite, you know, number one, clear number one receiver on a team, on a good offense and a team that's heavily favored, I think our system is going to lean Hopkins. So I think while they're both good plays, they're both like, just a, a half a tier below better plays and their prices are restrictive enough that you probably they probably won't get there for us but they probably will for a lot of people on the cincinnati side Gio bernard is still questionable i don't think he's going to play uh john ross is questionable and tyler Croft is questionable so i think there's going to be a lot of things that shake out yeah. with the bengals injury news here it's going to be tough to make too many determinations we did talk at length about tyler boyd yesterday as a cash game play i still think that our mind has not changed there uh, i don't know what do you think about aj green and joe mixon in a game pittsburgh's defense has allowed a lot of points as well this season uh i've Right now, Bengals have something like the third highest implied total, maybe the third or fourth highest implied total of the week going in. Mm-hmm. 
I, it feels like we should maybe have more exposure than just Tyler Boyd, and I'm struggling with the prices to find it. I, I, I am encouraged that they just did run Mixon a ton after week one. How, or excuse me, week one. Excuse me, week five with him back. This is his first week sure. back from injury. Where do we want to land with a guy like him or the other Bengals guys in terms of cash or GBP? Yeah, they're all fine plays. I, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about the Bengals offense right now. I talked about Dalton as a potential cash game play on DraftKings. I think he just doesn't get there. Uh, for the same reason a lot of these guys aren't, which is that there's slightly better plays at similar price points. I think you can still consider AJ Green for big tournaments. You can certainly consider Joe Mixon. You know, one of the things, we talk a lot about upside when we're thinking about big tournament plays. And you look at a guy like Mixon and you see his track record so far, and he's not going to jump off the page as a potential upside guy. But what do we really know about Mixon? Well, they want to give him the ball 20 plus times a game. That much is very, very clear. Uh, we also know that they're going to use him in the red zone. And we know that there are game scripts where he can catch five-plus balls out of the backfield. Now, he hasn't had that explosive game yet, but that level of, you know, th- those level of touches and usage in the red zone means that this is the type of guy who can have that James Conner-like game of topping 30-plus points. And since he hasn't done it yet, his ownership won't reflect that. So I think Mixon is an excellent big tournament running back. And I think especially, you know, we talk about two team stacks sometimes— there's a scenario where the Bengals get up because, you know, Mixon has a couple of touchdowns and the Steelers need to pass to come back. So you want to take like Mixon on one side and Ben and Brown or Ben and Schuster on the other side. I think that's a pretty interesting tournament strategy this week. Mixon in the three games he started this year, 24, 22, and 26 touches. Um, that's as good as anybody in the a league. A lot of touches. And, and <laughs> it's it's, it's Gio, better than anyone in the league, frankly. Right. I mean, that's, if yeah. Gio weren't to play uh, like this, you see, the thing with Mixon is, if Gio weren't to play, if you look at this top group, he has to be considered in the top group of guys in terms of overall usage. But because of the injury, and maybe because, like you said, you know, right. maybe short of one of those huge games, he's just he's seventy five hundred on Fanduel. That's seven hundred less than Connor. You can put him in the same class of touches as him, um, six hundred less than Zeke, and then a thousand less than the guys in the top tier of the girly Gordon McCaffrey. I don't know. Maybe based on the price. Okay, like so. For instance, Mixon or T.J. Yeldon. Um, they're they're T.J. Yeldon's only four hundred less on Fanduel. He's a guy we talked about in in terms of just uh, cash games yesterday. How are, are they maybe closer than we thought? Yeldon. It's a little different on uh, DraftKings where Mixon's eleven hundred more. But is it worth paying maybe for only four hundred more for Mixon, knowing that his touches seem almost assured if Geo doesn't play? Yeah, so I think right. I mean, you nodded to the Yeldon thing on DraftKings. I think also his usage in the passing game means that you're just going to go in that direction on DraftKings in all likelihood. Yeah, it's awfully close. I mean, the nice thing that you like about Yeldon is it it seems as though right now his touches are safe regardless of game script. Another thing I mentioned in the Cash Game article in the podcast yesterday was the team is down by 20 and he still touched the ball 18 times last week, right? So Yeldon, I think you can argue that his touches are just as safe as Mixon's right now. Uh, I like his usage in the passing game. I think they're pretty similar, frankly, and given how similar they are, I'll probably just err on the side of getting the cheaper guy for cash. But yeah, I don't think it's absurd. Um, I think you can probably find a way to play both if you really want to. Uh, Our system is flirting with that idea. I think one of our top 10 lineups has 
it's our fourth overall lineup right now as Joe Mixon and TJ Yeldon and Todd Gurley. So yeah, yeah I didn't realize Mixon was that high up there. I just ran those two. I was actually he's higher he's there. higher owned in our system right now than Yeldon. So yeah, when uh, you yeah. say higher like when you run fifty lineups, he's coming in um, into more of those lineups than than Yeldon. Yeah, is. So I think point. I just want to clarify ownership because thanks, Doug. I was unclear. Can, I'm sorry about that. Well, no, no, not not to you. I'm saying because sometimes ownership can mean projected ownership for what the rest of the uh, you know the rest of players across the industry yeah, do. That's that's not what we mean. Um, okay, and I said, and I, said I was on. I was unclear, and I'm thanking you. <laughs> Car- Cardinals go in the Vikings. Minnesota, 10.5-point home favorites with a 43 over-under. They're coming at 26 and three-quarter implied points. Uh, Dalvin Cook is going to be upgraded to full practice today, I believe. Um, so it looks like he is going to play. Um, how much would we trust him going into a game where they're huge favorites? That's usually what we like to see out of running backs. And how much does the chance of a potential blowout were you on a guy like Thielen? I know we've talked about him as close to a cash game lock because the price hasn't come up enough. Um, but how how worried would you be about blowout here, uh, judging by how Vegas kind of views this game going? I don't think I'd be especially worried, and I'll explain why. So I think, first of all, again, Diggs, with one of his tougher matchups on the season, rates to be less involved than typical in the offense. I think if you're going to blow this Cardinals team out, somebody's got to do the blowing, Doug, you know? And okay, why are you laughing? <laughs> no reason. Go ahead. Okay, just making sure. And Minnesota has done actual zero on the ground this season. So where is all the blowing going to come from? You know, is it going to come from Latavius Murray and his you know two yards to carry on the season? Is it going to come from Diggs in one of his tougher matchups on the season? Are we going to see the Kyle Rudolph Renaissance? I mean, the guy's been targeted five, maybe six times a game. I just don't think so. And I think Thielen, he's also a very, very safe target. So if you're in a possession where you just want to get six yards, you don't want to just give up on your drive because Latavius Murray just went crashing and crashing in a line of scrimmage and fell over. Uh, or I guess maybe Dalvin Cook this week. Either way, oh yeah, he's Cook practicing in full, but still right. touching the ball just 10 times a game when he was out there. So uh, nonetheless, they haven't been able to do anything. So yeah, I think Thielen's just too heavily involved in the offense for me to worry about a potential blowout here. Yep, I think I'm with you. Um, I, I get a little bit, I still get a little bit worried, but there's a lot of points in Minnesota. Again, they have they've shown that they can allow points too. So um, there's just going to be this is the kind of the new way of NFL is that sometimes there, there have been teams that have just been able to hang with better teams because the the way teams are, like are utilizing the pass more. Um, Minnesota's defense has shown the ability to give up points uh, to bad teams and good teams. So um, well, I, yeah. I wonder how much we're buying uh, Minnesota's run from last year in, in terms of their defense because it hasn't totally materialized uh, this season. All right, um, Chargers go in and play the Browns. Browns are slight favorites, one-point favorites at home. The line has come down, excuse me, the over-under has come down from 46 to 44 and a half, pretty evenly across both sides. Oh, no, I, I take that back. It swapped, it, swapped, uh, it swapped from San Diego was a minus one road favorite down to switch over to Cleveland here, uh, where it's kind of sitting currently. What do we like here? Uh, Melvin Gordon seems like he's still a high-touch guy. The over-under is not huge here, mostly because I think Cleveland's defense has been pretty good, and they've been really committed to the run with Carlos Hyde, uh, which does slow the game down. Also, Jarvis Landry is a guy we talked about in the past. What do we like from this game in terms of a cash or tournament perspective? Yeah, I don't know. I, Carlos Hyde, I think, is he's like a poor man's Joe Mixon to me. <laughs> he's uh, touching the ball an awful lot right now. Uh, he is their definitive goal line back. You know, He's got five touchdowns, this guy, through five games. He doesn't really get involved in the passing game too often, but when the Browns get up, it's a big when, big if slash when, uh, Kyde 
rates to have a very, very good week. So I think we will see at least one really big game out of Carlos Hyde at some point this season. I think you could probably say the same thing for Jarvis Landry. I mean, the target share has been there. He hasn't really turned it into a whole heck of a lot, but it's pretty clear that he'll be a double-digit target guy. The problem with both of these guys, from my perspective, is, you know, like Landry at 6,900, the consistency in production hasn't been there for him to compete with some of the other names uh, that we're going to look at in that same price range. And for Hyde, it's a similar thing, you know, like at the mid-6,000s, you're going to be comparing him. You're going to be comparing him, say, like TJ Yeldon, who's in a better situation, who's both used in the passing and the running game he's a little bit more expensive but I think they'll just be odd men out but that being said the Browns are just like such an unsexy team that for big tournaments grabbing some of these guys should get you pretty good separation from the field yeah I'm um, right now Landry tied for fourth overall on targets on the season um and yeah he was like fifth last year yeah that's I was just say, that number has Beckham Beckham is one but has a whole game you know more than the rest of these guys so you could see yeah. Hopkins Hopkins is probably not going to, excuse me, Landry's not going to go above Brown or Thielen in this game, you wouldn't think, after this week. Uh, but if he right. was leading if he was leading Hopkins after this week, you wouldn't be totally shocked. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where I land as an end of tournament play. I really don't have much interest in Hyde. You know, you call him a poor man's Joe Mixon. I call him like a rich man's like Marshawn Lynch. He just doesn't catch the ball at all. Like, like I think that's my biggest problem with him. You, you were totally, or, or Jay Ajayi or something like that. You're just totally relying on him getting in the end zone. Uh, to, to hit his ultimate upside, now, but that you can do that, and players will score two to three touchdown games in the right kind of scenario. Absolutely. And I just, I just not those just aren't the guys that I generally get all that interested in because you're just sitting there waiting for this one thing to happen, and that thing can you just, and everybody else. So, That's what makes some good tournament plays. There's just yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just don't. I'm not even sure I find them great tournament plays overall. It's just like I still don't see like the total crazy ceiling. Just because Screw you, the, six points you get, the, the six points you get from the touchdown just are so much evenly made up by guys who just will catch the ball. That being said, there's the, the, the new wave of running back. There's just so few guys that actually touch the ball at all. So I, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather just play Mixon uh, kind of time and time again in that scenario. Um, what about the Chargers side? Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler is kind of still around. Um, Phillip Rivers is having a really good season. Uh, the Browns defense does worry me a little bit because they've been very good, and they've had a pretty tough schedule so far this year in terms of what they've done. They, according to DVOA rankings, they've had the eighth hardest schedule and still rank second overall in DVOA. I think this is a very, very good defense at this point. Uh, does that turn you off at all to the Chargers side? Yeah, you know, I wasn't a believer in the Browns defense last season. I kept, you know, making excuses why they were having good success, especially against the run. And they just kept doing it over and over and over again. And they've started even better this season. So I think you have to probably zoom out there and say like, okay, in the long view, in spite of everything going against them last season, they still had a pretty good rushing defense. And now that they're actually got some other pieces in place, probably they're just building upon what was already a pretty reasonable foundation. So, yeah, I don't think I want to play Melvin Gordon. You know, he's in the exact wrong price range for me for cash game for sure. I'm just going to, if I'm going to be spending up, I'm going to spend up on Gurley or some of these better wide receivers and, and kind of middle out at the running back position with guys like Yeldon and Mixon. On the passing side of the ball, Keenan Allen just continues to be very underrated to me. Uh, you know, he hasn't gone off yet this season. He's come close, but really solidly in that 9 to 10 target range. His conversion has been very good. He's still Rivers' number one target. They don't really have a lot of other exciting options around him. And while, you know, people like Mike Williams or whatever have more receiving touchdowns than him, you have to think that that won't keep up over the course of the season just because Allen has the ball in his hands so much more than these other guys. And uh, he's still priced like a mid-range wide receiver when he's probably got the upside of a wide receiver one. So still interested in Allen, uh, potentially not for cash games. But yeah, for tournaments, absolutely. 
Yeah, Edel hasn't seen quite the target share I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be in this class with the Browns and the Hopkins uh, going after what he did last season. Yeah. That hasn't totally materialized. They have thrown sure. to the running back a ton. Like Melvin Gordon has a ton of targets this season. So I don't know if that's just like part of the plan or just the sort of the way things have shaken out with Allen. Um, that's like my mm-hmm. only concern. It's hard to put him in that top group just because he's so far behind so many of these other guys, especially with the the way the leap that some of these offenses have made. In, just in terms of how much they want to throw the ball. I mean, the Chargers haven't had to do it as much because they have. They just have a couple of good running backs that they can target uh, as well. All right, let's move in to the next game. Carolina goes in and plays the Redskins. Redskins coming off the loss to the Saints last week where Alex Smith was finally sort of forced to throw to his wide receivers. Up until that point, he had, I think, had the second fewest completions to wide receivers uh, on the season. Uh, but did kind of he did target Jameson Crowder a little bit last week, Maurice Harris with Doxson out, and Paul Richardson saw a combined 21 targets. Carolina's defense is pretty good, but I don't know. Washington's favored here. Do you trust anything on their offensive side of the ball? Or is this kind of one of these situations where in the new NFL, like why bother with this team? I, I know you've said that in the past. Like With Washington? Kind of these, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely in why bother territory with Washington. Uh, you know, there, there's not, not to say that there aren't upside guys. Like, you know, Chris Thompson strikes me as a guy that's totally off most radars, but has seen, you know, he had a 14 target game this season. If you're a running back that's off radars who can sometimes get double-digit plus targets, then you're going to just necessarily be interesting. With Peterson being very banged up, you know, getting pulled from last game, being limited in practice this week, it's not outside the realm of possibility that Thompson could go off and do something. The rest of these Washington guys, though, oh, this yeah. is some kind of hot pile of trash. Like, Jordan Reed is just looking like your average... Just Two scrap keep tight week. end. Yeah, yeah. It's, just like, it's just like in a Nick Vanette category now. All of a sudden, you know, none of these wide receivers, you know, the guys that just bite us year in, year out, Jamison Crowder, you know, none of them have really done anything. So you can get some separation on Washington, but, man, I'm just not interested at all. Carolina, um, Christian McCaffrey was looking a little bit rough for the first half. Ended up with 23 touches, or 23 looks last week, seven carries, yeah. six targets. Ended up getting into the end zone on a long – well, kind of a, it was an out pass, and then he kind of scrambled in for a touchdown. So he finally gets into the end zone. Still doesn't have a rushing touchdown on the season. But where do we put him in this group of, of running backs that just see consistent targets and, and touches each week? Um, that's just been it's, – it's a good – I think it's a good sign. Like, I think he only had one target at the end of the first half or something like that. It ended with six. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still very much seems like the plan. I want to put him in this elite group of guys. I just don't know if he's too expensive at this point judging by some of the guys that we see around him, especially with some of that red zone usage. I get a little bit worried. I'm getting more and more concerned that he just the, – the rushing touchdowns just aren't going to be there at all from him or he's just going to kind of need to luck his way into it. Exactly. Yeah, he'll need to punch him in from like 10-plus yards because Cam is just such a physical presence down low that it's so hard to do anything other than – and he's a dual threat, right? So like if you give it to Cam in the shotgun or whatever from two yards away, defenses still do have to respect the pass. So yeah, I think we'll see McCaffrey – in fewer touchdown situations than many running backs of his stature. Uh, Washington also just a pretty good defense. You know, they're excellent against the pass this season, solid against the run. I just don't, I mean, for McCaffrey's purposes, I just don't think it's like something you need to force. He's 8,400. They're cheaper running backs that I don't think you could confidently say that he's going to be like definitely better than Joe Mixon or even TJ Elton this week. I think he's better than those guys. I think I like his prospects for like season long better. Um, it's just when you take matchup into consideration, I probably won't wind up going in that direction. So, yeah, I think I'm kind of off the McCaffrey thing. Cam, though, Cam not far from our cash games on DraftKings right now. He's like in the 12th overall lineup. Washington is tough against the pass. Do you have any interest? Like if Cam crept up to the – if there was line movement or you know some kind of news either way, 
Would you want to play Cam and Cash? Worst game on the season, 18 fantasy points this year. Yeah, 6,100, um, 300 less than Watson. I think if you ended up getting into a price crunch, I wouldn't be totally adverse to it. I don't think I... He's always just a, such a tough one to do because the passing is oftentimes not going to be there. He just needs to run a lot, and it's just that can be a hard thing to watch from a, just an emotional standpoint. It's like trying to get Cam there because there can be times where it just seems like it's not going to happen. And he just seems like he's very consistent, and mostly because of the, the ability to run and run those rushing touchdowns just make a lot of sense. Um, you know, and he has had two games, 35 and 45 passing attempts, so he's kind of been there. And the rushing, the, the least amount of rushing yards in the season is 29 in a game. That's that's about as good as you're going to get from the quarterback position. And, I mean, we've just been there with Cam. He's just a tough one. I, well, I guess Watson, you know, say this about all these guys. Yeah, I think it'd be, it's close. Um, I don't think so. I think before. Watson, I don't think it's fair to put Watson in the same category as Cam. Like, for Cam, everything just looks hard as all hell. Like, he's just out there. Right. Like, it seems like he's running by necessity. He's completing. So, in three games this season, he has 15 completions, 17 completions, and 21 completions like yeah. that number those numbers are terrible watson's lowest completion game on the season is 17 and after that the next one is 22 and he has one more game than cam this season too so i, I think watson is a, a pretty clear tier above when it comes to passing over cam for sure let's move into the four o'clock games uh the rams go in and play the broncos they are seven point road favorites it's a little bit worse than they were. They went in as like something like nine and a half or ten point road favorites against the Seahawks last week. Uh, but they're still getting a lot of points on the road. Always tough to go in and play in Denver. The altitude definitely makes a difference for teams that are venturing in there. Uh, Denver clearly not the defense that they once were. The offense has struggled at times. So they've been, they have run the ball pretty well this season. Cup and Cooks had both had concussions, but both look like they cleared concussion protocol and are going to both start practicing today. So I think they're, they're, it looks like the Rams will go into this game at full strength. We talked Gurley uh, as just a near lock for us on FanDuel. I mean, 10000 on DraftKings. Is that just a bridge too far? That's so expensive relative to you know, what yeah. kind of savings you get elsewhere. Can you stomach a $10,000 price for Gurley on DraftKings? Or at some point, have they just made the price just inconsistent with what we can expect and you just take too many hits of the rest of your lineup? Yeah, I think it's just out of bounds. DraftKings already has that much tighter pricing. And, you know, so the reason we can spend up for him on FanDuel is because the value elsewhere, the mispricing basically elsewhere, allows you to have just kind of money lying around left over. On DraftKings, it never feels that way. Like our system is always like, what about two tight ends? Or what about a $2,000 defense against the best offense? You know, like it always, it's always trying to haggle, like it's at a flea market. And with Gurley at that high price point, it just needs to be the perfect matchup essentially. And, Denver is a really good matchup for sure, but 10,000, I mean, 10,000 probably for anyone is just like, they're saying you can't play him for cash. So I think we probably won't play him for cash. The receivers, I think they're, they're ones I want to keep an eye on, not for cash necessarily, because they're all kind of high priced based on the early season successes. But if you do see one of these guys miss, all of a sudden that's going to open up a lot of opportunity for, you know, this Cup Woods Cooks group. Also, just all regular nouns, which I find confusing. Like a cup, there's Cooks, Woods. I think that group, if you took away any of those guys, the increased target share for the other two would feel like a Minnesota-level situation to me where you'd have all of a sudden two very good receivers who rate to have more targets than you know they're currently priced to. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. You know, It does look right now like they're going to play, but concussions are a funny thing, so definitely not a situation worth ignoring. I think I'd be hard pressed to play Cup here with Harris drawing Harris in the slot, but the other two guys, if you want, if you thought they were gonna, if Cup was gonna just see decreased target share, and you thought that Cooks and Woods would just stand to see just more, I think this could yeah. be a spot that opens up 
just at least on the outside for the Rams. And the Rams mm-hmm. are just a very smart team that have learned how to play just every single inch of the field just very strategically in terms of the routes. Um, yeah. so it's, it's funny how things change, man. Like the Rams were a laughing stock of the league two years ago. And now they're like yeah, Jeff Fisher, the smartest I mean, team like, in the NFL. Like it's crazy. Well, they went from the dumbest coach to the smartest coach in one fell swoop, and that'll do a lot for your team, right? Like they went from Jeff Fisher, who just couldn't get sure. his head out, of, head out of his ass. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Analytics. Explicit. And, yeah, and that's okay. And then, uh, and then you get just McVay, who just seems to like he's just playing every single angle. Uh, Denver side. Uh, the Rams defense has been good. They have a lot of points, and Minnesota put up points against them. Seattle was able to stay in the game last week. Um, just kind of, they, they really weren't at, they really weren't a threat to win the game, but they did at least, you know, they covered the spread and whatnot. Do you think we could see the same thing from the Broncos? And if so, do we get enough of any of their guys to consider them as maybe even tournament plays? Especially if you want to stack, like a kind of do a girly and then go the opposite way with the Broncos stack. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing with the Broncos right now that. You're going to have to guess right on the wide receiver thing from week to week. Uh, we saw Sanders come out with 14 targets last week. Uh, we've seen that be a lot less as well. Um, they were willing to use Thomas Moore in the deep game, so I think that's going to give him some big tournament upside. Uh, and any, I think either of those two guys could put in a huge week, and they could also disappear. So I don't think you want to touch him for cash for sure. And for big tournaments, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd probably just say Sanders because, you know, when I can get more targets, especially on DraftKings, it means more receptions and more opportunities for something weird to happen, which I'm always ready to sign up for. All right, let's move into the Jags, go in and play Dallas. We did talk about TJ Yeldon and Zeke, both as cash game possibilities. Zeke, especially on DraftKings, looks Mm -hmm. like a very inviting price at 7,000. Very low over-under in this game, 41. Rates to be a slow, like kind of sort of plotting game. Dallas... No one wants to throw to the wide receivers less than Dak does. I, I think he's part of his wide receivers the least amount in the league. I, I think actually Josh Allen and Buffalo just went over them. I had to query, but my workbench isn't working as well. I had that query up. But I, I, it's whatever a neck it is, race. Yeah. it's very, very low. Uh, like these guys just don't see the ball at all. Good for mm-hmm. Zeke, bad for just kind of everybody else on the team. Bortles is a guy that um, when he's without Fournette, it's some, it stands to reason at times that he's been better, and our system still kind of likes him from a points-per-dollar play. I'm having trouble seeing it totally in a, in a low-scoring game. Anything else you like besides the running backs here who we've already talked about as potential cash game plays? Yeah, Bortles is kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, if you look at his game logs this season, I mean, he's got three games with 25 or more FanDuel points. So for a guy who's under 7,000 on FanDuel right now, that's just not really something you'd necessarily expect. I think for big tournaments, the real trick is whom do you pair him with? Uh, Chris and I mentioned Dante Moncrief's huge target week last week. The guy came out at 15 targets last week. And this is coming off a week where he had only five targets, but did go for 109 and a touch. So I think Moncrief is very cheap. He's going to you know, tantalize a lot of people at that price point. The Jags, though, I mean, first of all, they just threw an incredible number of passes last week. But they're also one of these teams that I think they don't really know who their two best wide receivers are. So, like we saw D.D. Westbrook go from 13 targets against the Jets, just totally outshining everyone. Then we go into a Kansas City week where Bortles manages to put up how many passes? What is exactly? 61. 61. Bortles puts 61 passes in the air, and the most targeted receiver from the previous week comes back and is only targeted five times. <laughs> so it's a, it's a crapshoot, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. And, uh, that means it's great for big tournaments. All three of those receivers, identical, identically priced at 5,700. Bortles plus one of them can't be a terrible stab to take for big tournaments. 
Bortles, even with uh, throwing four interceptions last week, still got there in terms of cash games. Like he still put up close to twenty-five Fanduel points. Oh yeah, um, he was fine. And he ran ran the ball for thirty-four yards, had a rushing touchdown. I think there's they're pa- and they're passing to Yeldon a lot. I think that's that's just so great. Like the fact that they're passing to Yeldon also sneakily raises Bortles' floor, right? Because if they're going to pass him, then that means it's not a carry, and Bortles gets some credit too. Right. Okay. Let's move into the next game. Or oh, excuse me, Dallas. I besides Zeke, anything else to even consider here? I don't, I'm not really seeing it, but maybe you're seeing nope. something I'm not. Okay. Here we go. Baltimore. Last game of the of four o'clock games. Baltimore goes in and plays Tennessee. Another one of these low over under games. Forty two total. Uh, there. Baltimore's two and a half point road favorites. That did come up a little bit from they were one point favorites up to two and a half. Um, you know, we talked about guys like Crabtree. Uh, John Ross as uh, or excuse me John Brown uh, as wide receiver maybe potential guys to play uh, we talked about them those guys yesterday and then in Tennessee they've seen big target games out of some of these receivers you know uh, Corey Davis and whatnot anything you like in this game even though it's like so much so much of a lower over under than some of the other games we've talked about yeah I think I still like Crabtree for cash um, I think Brown is still going to be in consideration for big tournaments just on the types of balls that are thrown his way plus the target share. I think outside of that, it's really hard to get excited about this game. Uh, knowing that Corey Davis has uh, 15 targets in him sometimes means that he's always going to be you know, on that medium-sized list of guys that could just go off on any given week. But he's also got the six targets weeks where he does nothing at all. So <laughs> that's going to roll him out, particularly in a game, like you said, with such a low total. The Ravens running game is untouchable. Just a full-on time split. I think the Tennessee running game is pretty much the same thing. So yeah, unfortunately... We're going to end this one with a whimper because I think this game is basically a skip. Yep, uh, I think I'm pretty much with you. I don't know if things will change with the court. You know, from now until Sunday, I don't really see too much. But we'll wait on there's. I think there was one piece of Baltimore injury news with the wide receivers. We'll wait on that. If you're interested in some of these primetime games, KC and New England's obviously that game is a 60 over under right now. Went from 57 and a half to 60. Uh, Never seen three it. And a half, yeah, three and a half point spread uh, on the Patriots side. So we could just see a potential of a lot of points. It's crazy to imagine that many points going up. And just, uh, like you know, the median game being 60 <laughs> for. <laughs> This one, if that's where if that's where you're betting, which seems completely nuts, uh, which is gonna, but it's gonna make for some interesting plays on those primetime slates, especially because you get Green Bay going on the Monday night game uh, against San Francisco. So there'll be some interesting stuff there. But you can go check out our projections if you want to see how those lineups shake out. DFSR.com/deals is gonna get you that free three-day trial to our projection system. So go sign up for that. It's gonna cover you for NFL and NBA hockey as well. You're all, it's all under one subscription package. We don't section it off by provider or who wrote the articles or whatever the heck some other places do. We don't do that. It's just if we put it up there, you get it. And for podcast listeners, it's free for three days and then just twenty four ninety five a month. Buddy, enjoy your weekend of football. Uh, we got our basketball ebook going up over the course of the weekend, so go check all, out all of that stuff. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. Talk to you again next week. Peace. Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. 